Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial subscription, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show that we review podcast with filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian j rowan with me today we have robin Barr. gonna suck your blood <laughs> with her brand new mouth uh we also have bill graham <laughs> one <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna keep counting no all right this <laughs> works for me i did not realize that's what that was <laughs> Yeah, it's one banana, uh, 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 two banana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the count. Yep. It work. I mean, I I use context clues. At fi- finally. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> it's just the three of us, no guest. Um, Robin couldn't hack it. Just the fam. <laughs> you. <Yep. laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it, you know we used to never have guests. And now it feels a little strange when we don't have them. But uh, you know, I think this is the I think this is the perfect movie to not have a guest on for. I so agree. Tonight, tonight we're talking about Renfield, um, a movie that came out just last week, and many of you probably have already forgotten about. Um, I gotta say though, I without spoiling anything, I am I'm slightly excited to talk about this movie more so than I would be probably to talk about any of a number of like superhero films that came out. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation with you guys. Nice little, nice little way to wind up a weekend talking about Renfield with my friends. Um, before we what, get, what superhero movie are you talking about? Just like any of them. Like, you know, I, uh, I basically, God, once God. we did Endgame, I basically made like a full on moratorium about ever doing another superhero movie. And mm-hmm. this movie, I think there's. I won't say like a lot to talk about, but there's like a couple things that this movie just felt like very old school to me in a, in a number of ways, not all of which are flattering. <laughs> so there's that, but um, I'm looking forward to chatting about it. Um, and we can get into why it was more so than a superhero film when we actually talk about the review uh, before then twitter.com slash the film stage or slash film stage show facebook.com slash the film stage show email us podcast at the film stage.com and give us a comment or rating on itunes uh don't forget to go to patreon.com slash the film stage show to give us your money uh one dollar an episode gets you access to our super cool slack channel where people talk about random bullshit all the goddamn time um the book channel has been shockingly busy recently uh, i'm gonna chalk that up to david Can't Grand. people read <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, i'm gonna chalk it up to da- david gran has a new book out and everyone's excited about it um was oh, that the whale book no the whale book oh. is the one that i'm fucking excited about it's yeah i want to read Fall, that <laughs> and it's about a dude who gets stuck in a whale's stomach and only has an hour's worth of oxygen to figure his way out I it's a scuba diver fucking amped about it it's it's like be- jonah meets pinocchio meets Meets like, like the shallows, meets the Martian, meets right. I mean, it's it's literally everything I've ever wanted. Hunger in a Games. Story. What? 
Well, all the survivalist stuff. I guess. I don't know. I know I I won't pretend to know Hunger Games well enough to know whether or not it's actually like a good like survival story. Um I the book is. I can't speak for the movie. Okay. Well I've only seen the movie, so I refuse to Oh, the books it. are really good. I uh will take your word for it. I, I I was gonna maybe Cora will read them at some point and then she can tell me what she thinks about them. Anyway. Uh, you have to wait a long time for that one. Uh, I don't know what. She can't read them when she's like eight. No, they're a little too mature for that. Okay. Um, that's right. They are YA, so she must be a young adult. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know what that means. Is that like teenager? Yeah. I don't know. A bunch I would of say my, 13 and above. A bunch of my full-grown-ass human adult friends read YA. Yeah, I read YA sometimes. I'm going to stop talking then. Um <laughs> I mean, have you like have you enjoyed a book for teenagers as an adult? They're 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 Absolutely enjoyable. Absolutely not. No, no. because you're. Yeah, full I've of read yourself. a few. No, did you say it's because I'm full of myself? Yes. Yeah, I, I value myself. Um, I respect myself, and I choose not to do that. I um, respect myself, and I enjoy doesn't it. Doesn't sound like you respect yourself, Robin. <laughs> I respect myself a lot more than you respect yourself. That's probably true. Um. <laughs> What are we talking about? All right. I was talking about the Patreon. Um, if you'd like to have more conversations like this with us directly, uh, but <laughs> that aren't like a family fight, utilizing the written word, you can go to patreon.com slash the state show to join our Slack channel. We are also brought to you by Mubi, which you all may know as a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. Uh, Mubi features iconic directors and emerging auteurs. There's always something new to discover. With movie, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. But on the subject of reading things that are written with words, <laughs> Notebook Magazine is uh, new this year for movie. Um, it's a print-only magazine that is devoted to the art and culture of cinema. It's created, prepared, and published by Mubi. It's published biannually. Uh, it's a yearly subscription that includes two beautiful issues. Each issue comes with an exclusive gift, a surprise, just for notebook subscribers. I can't even tell you what it is. It's a surprise. Uh, shipping is free wherever you are. That's incredible, considering that it not only comes with a magazine, but a full-on surprise. How do they do that? I don't know. I'm not a money man. Subscriptions are now open for issues three and four. You can subscribe to the magazine now for just $40 a year. Find out more at Mubi.com slash magazine. Uh, you can also try Mubi for free for 30 days at Mubi.com slash filmstage. That is M-U-B-I dot com slash filmstage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So check that shit out. Um, I love Mubi. I'm always excited to watch Mubi stuff. And actually, I got to sign up for this notebook thing, too, because now that I've talked about how much of a surprise there is, I want to know what this goddamn surprise is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, So I just love handcrafted things. I'm about to drop like 30 bucks on a LOM that I don't need. That's just because it looks nice. And because I think a lot. It's a a LOM is a. (sighs) Oh, God. All right. So when you make bread, right, and you score the top of the bread with a razor blade. Mm-hmm. so that when it goes into the oven it it opens up the way you'd like it to and some people do them in a decorative way the lom is the thing that holds the razor blade okay 
I yes. can't picture it, but I believe you. I will. I will. You know what? You know what? Uh, I'm in, I'm in the food channel of our okay. Slack that is available. So this for is exclusive. Patrons. Yeah, I will uh, send Robin and everyone else uh, the link to the lom that I'm thinking of buying. I don't even know how to spell lom. It's L A M E, which is hilarious. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a lame. Um. <laughs> Anyway, um, I've gotten really into uh, watching videos of people making bread and doing like exquisitely elaborate like scoring on them so that when like it comes out of the oven, it looks like it's like a snowflake or like a field of wheat. And um, I've also gotten to the point where I'm watching people who are using um, like edible colored powders that are made out of like different flowers and stuff to make them even more interesting looking. Um, which is banana. I use luster duster when I bake and it really does just what make it fuck? look so Did you delightful. say luster duster? Yeah, it's like um how do, it's like uh edible powders that are glittery. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I found one of those, but it, it uses like, you know, it's like, oh, this is like a, a powdered beet or this is like a butterfly pea flower. Which have you ever used butterfly pea flower? No, but I've seen it. My husband has it in a lot of in some teas that he. Yeah. Makes. Oh man, it's awesome because it's blue, right? And like you know, it kind yes. of becomes like a purple. But then if you put an acid in it, like a lime or a lemon, it turns pink. Oh. So it's it's a fucking awesome thing to do for cocktails. If you're trying to impress the shit out of someone, you make like basically a clear cocktail. So like a, a gimlet, you could say, you know, just gin and simple syrup, right? And then you add the yeah. butterfly pea flower extract. It's a nice little color. But then when you finally add that lime juice, bam, it turns pink, blows people's minds. Yay. Anyway, um, so, so we got through all that. Uh, does anyone else have anything to say before we begin our uh, review of Renfield? No. Cool. Let's get this show on the road. Absolutely. Um, see, so you know what's funny is that it always seems like we get hang up on tangents and it takes us forever to do things. I'm beginning to think it might be the guest's fault. Because we're moving at a perfect clip right now. This yeah, movie, blame the guest. Blame the I can do guest. that because we don't have one right now. Exactly. <laughs> um, this movie Renfield is directed by Chris McKay. Um, it's written by Robert Kirkman, oddly enough, uh, of Walking Dead and Invincible fame, as well as Ryan Ridley, and it stars uh, Nicholas Holt, Aquafina, and Nicholas Cage. I wonder if there was any confusion on set because of the two Nicks. <laughs> Anyway, this movie is out in theaters now, and it is a uh, action comedy that uh, looks at the life of Renfield, who is the servant to Count Dracula. And here is the trailer. Mr. Renfield, welcome. I am Dracula. You will make a very good assistant. No! He's evil. We will protect you. You have the word of the most trusted institution on Earth, the Catholic Church. Ah! Renfield, your sole purpose in life is to serve me. All right, that is part of the trailer for Renfield. It's out wide in cinemas right now. Um, so let's talk about it. We begin as always with our spoiler free section. Let's see what our roundabout overall nutshell thoughts are on Renfield. Let's start with Bill Graham. What do you think of Renfield? 
Man, uh, I like a lot of people involved in this film. Um, I even like Kirkman to a degree. Um, I think I think Invincible is a lot of fun, although I don't know how true to it it is. But, you know, I like the first few seasons of The Walking Dead. And then, like a lot of people, I kept watching well beyond its uh, uh, expired date. Um, And I don't know this this film. It just has all of these things that I want to like that I want to enjoy. And yet all of it is just less than the sum of its parts, which is wild because like Nicolas Cage is really going for it here. He like, he's definitely the best part, but he's the best part in a very bad movie, which probably isn't that. Yes. Isn't that unusual for the Nick Cage kind of, you know, filmography. Uh, Unfortunately, he's, he's definitely made some duds um, and he's usually given full force effort. Um, And so I think, the same as here um but like just saying it out loud nicholas cage as dracula you're like oh okay delightful where where do i sign up and then i couldn't leave the theater fast enough um this movie is such a snooze such a slog it has so many things going on throughout that it's kind of it doesn't know which one to focus on um and i think that's that's the biggest detriment is that it, it's just it's scattered brain in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some fun sequences, especially early on. Um, but the character dynamics just are not there. So yeah, this one's, this one's definitely a pass for me. Robin Barr. I had a good time. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed that. It was a tight story. Um, It reminded me a lot of a Batman movie in the sense that we're set in a world where things are a little bit surreal. I I don't just mean like the horror element or the immortality element, but there's something kind of amplified about this this world that they're living in. Um, They live in, I think, New Orleans in a New Orleans that is run by a kind of of cartoonish crime family. So it was like, batman vibes but not so much gotham city specifically um so i like that element of it i thought uh ben schwartzman was really fun as a crime boss's son who's kind of a fuck up i liked uh, was it shora agdashlu as the as the mom i can't remember if that was her name um but she was just really bringing it nick cage was fun i enjoyed the elements that the filmmakers brought in to kind of give it a vintage vibe i think it was in maybe some of the visuals you just got a sort of 70s pulpy slash you know they they did some pastiche to like the 1930s universal dracula films so that that was just like a fun element to me um nicholas holt himself is fine i guess i really enjoyed aquafina kind of really missed her i don't know why i haven't seen her in a lot of films recently um but she's she just always has really good comic timing and i like that the movie really went for the gore aspect i know we've talked about this quite a bit i was trying to figure out why i liked the gore in this movie but really hated it in in cocaine bear 
And I know we haven't we haven't talked about that movie, but I just really despised that movie. And I think it's because Cocaine Bear, there was like this this element of realism that they were trying to go for. So every time they like cut off somebody's leg, it just felt like so horrific and not and and not funny in a way that the movie really thought was like funny and edge lordy. Whereas this, I think the world in and of itself is so absurdist, surreal, amplified, unreal, however you want to put it, you know, the the heightened cartoonishness that I wasn't put off by the gore because it seemed like it was within the realm of ridiculousness that it was going for. So yeah, I thought it was fun. Was it more than a three out of four star movie for me? No. Um, that's like, you know, uh, in other words, like a B plus in my rating system. But yeah, I, I had a good time. Yeah, this this is a this is an interesting one. I um I I liked it. I like I like enjoyed sitting there and watching it. Um I agree about the gore. Gore is gore, like over the top hilarious gore is it's a it's a thin line. <laughs> you you can't make it realistic because then you start to think about it. Mm-hmm. You got you got to re- like it's got to be like Quentin Tarantino level, like it's so shocking that that like, you know, the human body cannot do that. And so it becomes cartoonish and funny, um, which this movie does constantly. Um, I think it's also great because it like it works here because the guy who does most of it is Nicholas Holt, who is a great actor. And in this movie, I think really nails this character. Um, his his voiceover and his just affectations and everything. I mean, he he really sells it. He's the soul of the movie. Um, he is Renfield, and I think he is good with Aquafina, who I'm I'm always a little up and down on, and I, I'm more up on her than down on her in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's always fun to see Ben Schwartz. But what's what's interesting to me about this movie is how like busted it feels like it's (laughs) it's just it's been a long long time since i saw a movie that i could like feel the post-production trouble that must have had like Mm. there's no way that this is how this script read yes just so like it's it's bananas and it's and it's like i don't know how many like pickups they had to do or like, you know, weeks of reshoots. Like, I don't know what happened. It's clear that this is a salvage job. But I still enjoyed it. It's it's like there's so much like ADR where you're just like, yeah, someone at some point was like, look, look, we just got to get Aquafina in the room in like a sound studio. And so like when we don't see her mouth, she can just say this line and we can pick it up. It's. Insanity, which is crazy because there are moments when there are comedic beats and you can feel that like, oh, that's an intact moment. Like that's a moment that has survived whatever. Stuck around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's it's funny. Like the, it's like almost all of it actually revolves around the support group. Um, The comedic beats in there, like the, the reason I played Real Big Fish is that in one of the support groups, they talk about how one of their like abusive relationships, the guy's really into ska and it goes on this like weird run about like the history of ska and what does ska mean. And I found that funny. That's the type of thing that if it happens in a sitcom, it gets a chuckle out of me. 
And it felt like this movie had trouble balancing its its like weird, vaguely super heroic elements and its more sitcommy elements. Um mm-hmm. Which, I mean, like, that's why Ben Schwartz is in this, you know? He's yeah, yeah. he's the worst. And yet, in this movie, he feels, like, very weirdly calibrated. Adrian Martinez is in this, who is a character actor who I've seen a lot of things and really liked him in. Um, he's great in Stumptown. If anyone remembers Kobe Smulders' vehicle, Stumptown. Nope. No? Nope. <laughs> I mean, I am familiar with it. I've just never seen it. Kobe Smulders. Jake Johnson. Adrian Martinez. Uh, fuck. There was another guy in that who's like vaguely sort of famous and I can't remember his name. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so weird. Watch Like I was watching this and like I could, every time that I entered a new scene, I was like, is this how this scene was originally supposed to begin? Probably not. And you can sense all the little pieces that are left from was probably a longer, more coherent, but probably less good movie. It's so, it's so strange. Like, I, and what's funny about it, the reason I was like kind of excited leaving the movie is like, it's been so long since I've seen a movie that has felt this like touched up and reworked. Y- usually like there's not enough. <sighs> I don't know the best way to put this. There's like not enough ambition in a lot of big budget movies now to allow for that. Um, like you see a Marvel movie and, and like they say like, oh, we've previs like 50% of this and the rest is just functional dialogue to get us to the next thing. It really does remind me of uh, Suicide Squad, uh, the original the original like first suicide squad will smith suicide squad where you could kind Uh of sense the the ways that it had been tampered with which to me is just very interesting and intriguing and i would absolutely love to read the script to renfield and just see what they began with that got turned into this but i mean like generally I, I like it. You know, I had fun with it. I, I told a friend of mine, it's like, it's been a long time since I've seen like a really just truly like a C plus B minus movie. And then like, you know, I'm sure like I'd, I'd never think about this. And then I'd be sick one day and it'd be on TNT or something. And I'd be like, oh, I'll watch that. Yeah, that's good. And then I'd like laugh at the parts that I laughed at before and it'd be over and I'd be like, cool. That took up two hours of this sick day where I have the stomach flu. I don't know. It's very odd. It's 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 an odd movie. It you can feel it when you're watching it how how strange it is. I just didn't get that vibe. I mean, maybe I'm not saying it wrong by any means. It's just like I couldn't pick out the elements of this movie that felt more stitched together the way you're describing. It just felt like maybe what I'm picking up on was that it was a little underbaked mm-hmm. and in similar ways you're saying it was a little overbaked. Um, but like parts of it might have been underbaked because they got baked separately from the first bake. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Not to, this not to draw up another classic monster, but it's a little bit of a Frankenstein situation. Oh, shit. Yeah. You're brought in. Frankenstein. Well, it, it's Sorry. it's funny because this was originally apparently part of the you know, reboot of the Universal Monsters. Wait, this was, was this part, be part of the They're always universe? doing a reboot. A what did you say? 
I Robin said they're always doing a reboot. I asked if this was going to be part of the dark universe. Yes, correct. Seriously? Um, that's incredible. What's the dark universe? That's, that's Robin, what it was. <laughs> you don't remember the dark universe? No. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. Hold on. So, first of all, I got to find this picture for you. Um, so, the dark universe was universal was like, oh, my God. Like, what do we have? Like, what's our IP? What do we got that we can we can really like work with here? And what they came up with was we've got the universal monsters, right? We've got Frankenstein. We've got Wolfman. We've got, you know, this kind of version of Count Dracula. And so what we ought to do is we ought to create a Marvel style cinematic universe uh, that incorporates okay. all these people. And and so the only movie I believe that got produced was the Tom Cruise mummy. Right. And Correct. it fucking sucked and bombed so hard that it destroyed the dark universe. Even though I just sent you a vulture article, even though they released a whole ass cast picture with Russell Crowe, Javier Bardem, Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, and uh, Sophia, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> Butella. B- Butella? Butella. Butella. I'm going to say Who Butella. Who would have she been? Bride of Frankenstein or something? No, I think she was the mummy in The Mummy. But then I she think the, the twist of The Mummy is that Tom Cruise becomes a mummy? I don't know. And I, I never saw it. I never saw it either. Um, and I never think saw that- it. I think that clearly Crow, no one saw this movie. Yeah, exactly. It's it, there's th- there's three people here, any one of whom might have at some point seen this like giant blockbuster movie that came out. Um, I think Johnny the block Depp, did not bust. No, that bl- that block is still completely solid, very intact. Um, I think Johnny Depp was going to be the Invisible Man, right? Something then, like that. I think Russell Crowe was supposed to be. Uh, not not this, but like a kind of Van Helsing. The Pope's finger. Exorcist. Yes, yes, he was always to be the Pope's Exorcist. Oh, so this was like full on six years ago. It was a while ago, yeah. Wow. And like they they like Universal created like a whole new like opening title like logo thing for like the Dark Universe. And anyway, <laughs> so it died. So I'm I'm a little shocked to find that uh that fucking Renfield was supposed to be part of that. Yeah, not this version of it, but yeah, Renfield was part of it. And then basically yeah. it sounds like Kirkman came in and, and pitched on this and then they took that and ran with it in a different direction. So, yeah. So have you guys read of Dracula? I have not, actually. You know, what's funny. I, I, I want to now um, because I have seen Nosferatu. Um, I've read Camilla. Camille? Is it Camille? What is Camilla? Um, the fuck is that? Uh, crap. Now I can't remember what the name is. I think it's Camilla. Uh, just tell me what it Nobella. is. So it is, it's Carmilla. I'm sorry. Um, it is, it is, I think, the novel, like an Irish gothic horror novella that inspired uh, Dracula. Interesting. Because Dracula, I'm looking at it now, came out in 1897, and Carmilla came out in 1872. And it's a play on the Dracula myth, and it's like, it's like a, it, it is a precursor kind of like lesbian horror 
thing. It's got like, you know, a very sapphic vibe to it. Cause I, yeah, shit. Now I can't remember. I know I've read it. Swear to God, I've read it. I think it's like a, a, a girl arrives at an estate and like the, the, the daughter of like the owners of the estate and her become friends. But then the daughter starts to get sick. And then it turns out that everyone's like, oh, it's because Carmilla's feasting on her as she sleeps. And, um, Carmilla is the vampire. Correct. Okay. And I think there was even a movie that came out that I was like, oh, there's a Carmilla movie. And then someone was like, yeah, but it's like not good. And so I never saw it. Hmm. But I, I, my recollection is that I enjoyed Carmilla the novella. And I'm pretty sure it's one of those things that you can get for free if you have like a Kindle. So everyone check out Carmilla. It's at least because uh, it's in the open, open or public domain. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, Gutenberg or whatever. Um, Yeah. So check out Carmilla. It's especially if you're a fan of like the genre of like gothic or horror stuff. It's it's interesting looking at looking at those old school things. It's pretty interesting to see how these things have continued on. But anyway, um, also that that fucking awesome looking movie, The Last Voyage of the Demeter is coming out. You no, gotta tell us more. No, are you guys not aware of what's happening in the world right now? You don't know about Lost Last Voyage of the Demeter? No. I don't know okay, why to well, be excited about that. So they they're so the way that Dracula is written, as far as my understanding, is that it's um oh there's a word for it that I don't know. It's like it's not specifically Oh, is a that novel. the ship? Yeah, Dracula's not like specifically a novel. I think it's like a combination of documents and things that mm-hmm. kind of create yeah. the narrative. Um, I can't remember what the fucking word for that is, but anyway, um, one of the, ch- one of the chapters like is Dracula getting from darkest, weirdest Europe to London. And it's him and like 50 coffins full of earth on uh, this ship, the Demeter that I'm, I'm, I, he like, harasses and haunts the entire time that they're doing it it's an epistolary novel that's it yeah epistolary thank you for looking that up because that would have literally driven me insane um and so and so someone was reading dracula at some point and was like man you could make a whole fucking movie out of this one chapter and the the mad bastards did it and it's just a bunch of character actors getting assaulted uh on a sailing ship by uh dracula and it looks awesome and the trailer played before renfield and so between that and renfield and uh i've i've read a weird tweet thread about dracula the other day i was like you know what i gotta do soon is read you know bram stoker's dracula i've also seen the francis ford coppola movie yeah that movie wouldn't call it great but it has great costumes it's definitely a movie it's it's a lot of fun, I find, but um, yeah. I I especially like the the setup and and kind of all that all that mythology that it kind of builds into you know the uh, what is it that side of things like mm-hmm. the armor and stuff like that and seeing him as like a warrior before he actually turned into Dracula I found all of that like. It, it was, you know, obviously it's table setting, but I found that stuff beautiful and I really enjoyed it. Dracula is such an interesting figure because it feels like it's it's a character that's torn between like 
sexy vampire kind of thing, but also like utterly dis like horrifying monster. Like just the well, that's the whole tension. (laughs) I know, but like even like even within movies and even like you know thing to thing, it's just weird because you've got like Nosferatu, which is like oh my god, he's fucking horrifying, and then you've got Bram Stoker's Dracula, where it's like. He's kind of horrifying, but he's like kind of cool, and he's like got the little sunglasses, and he's like trying to get with Winona Ryder, and yeah, it's it it's it's a very delicate balance to like hit that just right. I don't think Nicolas Cage pulls it off. I'm going to be honest with you. Does or does not? Does not. <laughs> mm. He's he's very he's very weird in this movie, and like it's fine, I guess. I just I don't know. I was kind of expecting something different from what he was doing but i will say that when he because like the the whole conceit of the movie is that he was almost destroyed and now he's got to like recover and so that's Mm -hmm. why renfield has a little more latitude than usual um when he fully recovers and you see him in full like not scarred up mode for the first time he's got like real old school dracula vibes like just on a on a visual level it's great casting who was mm-hmm. that? Was that Lon Chaney? No, Lon Chaney no, Lon is Chaney the Wolfman. Was... Yeah, you're thinking of, the opera, of right? uh, Bella Lugosi. Yeah, that's the one. Which I honestly wouldn't have even known that unless I had just listened to the You Must Remember the series on this. Topic. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Karina Longworth did like eight episodes on the Dracula versus Frankenstein phenomenon of the thirties. Oh my God. I got, it was to too many episodes, but <laughs> too many episodes. I, you know, it was, it was good to learn about it. Now I am kind of ready to see those movies now. Yeah. I am. Um, I enjoy, you must remember this, but I've just kind of, I haven't, I haven't listened since uh, the Babylon one. Yeah. I'm still on that. I'm om- I've listened to almost every episode. I think I have like 30 to go. Yeah. Oh, the reason I was asking if people had read it was because I was curious how well the film adheres to the mythology of of the novel, Um, like the bugs thing. I wasn't sure if that was just like Mm. a dumb thing that they made up for the movie or whether that was, you know, something they touched upon because I was like, if they now I'm sure I could Google this, but if that was in the books, I was like, okay, I could see that being like a fun thing to sort of nod to. But if they just made it up for the movie, it would seem a little weird. Like, why do bugs give you the strength of 3,000 men? So something that I had meant to look up and uh, clearly forgot to is that I'm I'm almost certain that there's something called Renfield Syndrome um, that involves like hmm. the eating of bugs and stuff. Okay, Clin- so clinical maybe. Clinical <laughs> vampirism, commonly known as Renfield Syndrome, is a session with drinking blood. Oh, no, never mind. This presentation okay. of clinical vampirism as psychiatric literature was psychoanalytical interpretation of two cases. Interesting. But I think in the novel, Renfield does like just eat bugs and stuff. Okay. Someone else would have to look this up. Um, I'm happy to. I just didn't want to. I wanted to spark conversation if we had actually read the books. Yeah, it would have been great if literally anyone had ever read the book. Um, I read the child's abridged version when I was in fourth grade. Okay. I don't remember anything about this character. <laughs> no, it, it it seems like he's a lunatic more than anything uh from what I'm kind of gathering. When you uh, say like lunatic, in the original in the original text. 
I assume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, he has to eat living creatures. Uh, it says here he's he's hoping that they'll like give him life force. Um, but um, it doesn't look like basically it looks like what it is, is he will give him bugs to sustain his own life, but not to give him like any special powers or anything like that. So, right. Yes. And that is, that was my recollection of it from what, like all the things that I've ever seen. It's just like, Oh yeah. Renfield's like this horror. Like every time I've ever had Renfield like evoked in anything, it's as like a kind of rodent esque, like pitiful, creepy mm-hmm. fucking weirdo <laughs> <laughs> not the little boyish face of nicholas holt no yes. but i mean you know it's it, there's a certain kind of patheticness that i think holt still maintains it, it but like oh, they, i agree they did clearly go like all right but like we should like let him like become super powered when he eats bugs right like that's i don't i don't even know because like my 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 assumption was that like oh like these are bugs that are like somehow imbued with Dracula's power, mm-hmm. and instead mm-hmm. he's like no I just eat bugs and I get their life force. That was become- confusing. Yeah, like when he just started when he didn't have access to his little snuff box of bugs and he just like randomly ate like, like a, a fly, fly or, or the ants. I was just like. Right, okay, I'm like, so these aren't even special bugs? fucking bugs. It's just any bug. Yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, this is a better life than Dracula. Like, this this is fucking yeah. cool. Maybe this is why you think it was overbaked and I was I thought it was underbaked. Like, they didn't think out the logistics of the something as both unimportant and as important as this. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, you know. Well, I mean... I, I don't I don't understand why why that is necessarily important. I think it, the reason he has the little and it's definitely like a little uh, it's like a cough. Uh, yeah, it's a coffin full of bugs. I think the reason is, is because, you know, he never knows when he's going to have to go on the offensive. And so he's got to have a little bit of a supply. You know, he's not he's not going to be able to just stick his hand in the ground whenever and, you know, catch a worm or something. I don't know if a worm counts, but, um, you know, worms I don't know if bugs? it's. Uh-huh. Worms are worms bugs. Are, the, the term bug is less scientifically exactly. like defined than insect, you know? Yes. So that's I was thinking can, insects. So it, they have to have six legs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Does it have to have six or eight legs? Does it have to have a hard shell? Like, you know, all of this other stuff. <laughs> An, exoskeleton. An exoskeleton. <laughs> yeah. An exoskeleton. Does it have to be crunchy? Right. I don't, I don't think a worm is crunchy. So. No, I don't uh, think they have to be crunchy. Yeah. I don't know. Worms no, are um, Invertebrates for sure. Yeah. They don't have six legs. I can tell you that. Really? Um, wow. Uh, what I think this compares to is a movie that came out not that long ago that spawned an entire TV series. And that's what we do in the shadows. And I think that, you know, whether you like Taika or not, I think that's a much more successful version of like having fun with this. And especially since that one specific, like I would have liked to have some, some werewolves in this film or something along those lines. I think that would have been fun without it being too much underworld. Right. Um, But 
Yeah, I I would have liked to see him have like some other kind of force that he's working against. Um, because it is funny they talk about at one point he and we're gonna go ahead and jump into spoilers. We've oh, been yeah, talking yeah. long enough at this point. Um, at one point, Renfield basically tells him that like you know we're we're better than this. We don't have to keep slumming it. Um, and the next day, Dracula is like, here's my plan. And <laughs> like, and <laughs> Nicholas Holt's character is like, oh, fuck, that wasn't actually supposed to be a thing. Like, I wasn't supposed to give you that that idea. Like, you weren't supposed to run with that. Right. And it was, his, his plan was maybe if we're like a little subtle about it. We can just like hang out and like live a normal mm-hmm. life, and, and not, Dracula's and like, not have to like run from place to place and like be impoverished and like all of this stuff. Right. And, Dracula and Dracula just one takes it on of a completely different yes. stick, and is like, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take over the fucking world. <laughs> yeah, and I think that part is interesting to kind of see, like, um, but. Basically, the idea that like they have to move from place to place, I would have liked to see them actually like dive into that and like that be kind of the basis of the film or something like that. Um, it is a little bit, but we get there way late and it's it's already like established that there's this gang that he will kind of undermine to like gain power. And I would have liked to see him kind of wrestle with them a little bit more. Um, I think there's, there's just an interesting, a more interesting angle that this film is just like, nah, let's just go the easy route and have him team up with the gang. Um, I mean that the whole gang thing is, is very weird. Like, it, you know, I do not like it at all. Like mind the it. whole backstory it's so of Batman. It's incredibly bad. But like, that's the funny thing is like having now heard that, like, this might have been initially pitched as part of the dark universe. Like, yeah. Are we like looking at like, oh, Renfield should be like a superhero kind of guy? Like, is that what they were going for? And they're like, well, then in that case, he needs his like, you know, the the foot clan or whatever. And then mm-hmm. it's like, it's just so weird. It's like, not what I was expecting at all. I like when I saw the trailer for this movie, and this is the, the importance of not taking trailers at their words. I thought it was like Renfield's taking care of Dracula. Ho-hum. His life sucks. He happens to be involved in this thing. And like, and, and that shows him that he can be good, right? Because he happened to randomly stop this thing. And then he spends the rest of the movie like trying to get in and be good. And like that involves like falling in love with a lady cop. And obviously she's like a good person to help him out with that. Cause she's like law and order and all blah, blah, blah. But like, I thought it was just going to be like romantic comedy with occasional dips into the action thing where like, Oh, maybe like, you know, she's a, there's like a hit on her, but like mm-hmm. not a hit. That's so important that we get like, you know, Ben Schwartz running around the movie a lot. And like, not that the, the, the New Orleans police department is so corrupt that a room full of people could say that a guy did something and they still refuse to press charges. Um, yeah, it's like, all of that it's just kind of nutty, strange. like how yeah. hardcore this goddamn movie goes into all of these things. And it has the energy of someone who like forgot to mention something, you know, they're in the middle mm. of a story and like, oh shit, did I tell you it was raining? It was raining. That's important to know. We've been wet the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay, all right, yeah, okay, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Because like, it comes out of nowhere. Like, like Renfield kills all those dudes in the in the restaurant, and then like goes and does something else, and then like two scenes later, suddenly we're in the police department and all of the witnesses are there and she's already in the middle of a speech about how like nothing's going to happen because this place is corrupt. And I'm like, whoa, we missed a lot. We really like just kind of jumped out of the way of all of this Mm -hmm. that was going on. And then Renfield jumps and he's like, Hey, I'm here to give my witness statement. It's like, they just let you leave the restaurant (laughs) where you killed a bunch of people. And it's like, you do have to be on that level of like we're just gonna accept everything that's going on. You ju- it may mm-hmm. feel like this isn't real. It's not. It's a movie. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. What are you doing here? Well, I, I I also think the idea. I I love that initial pitch when we first start to beat Renfield and he's telling us why he's in the support group and. you find out that he's basically using the abusive partners of these people as his victims. And you're like, Oh, Hey, that's, that's clever. Like these people are shitheads and like, you're going to feed them to Dracula. Cool. You know, like all of a sudden that kind of makes a little bit of sense. And then it, it just goes into this thing where he's like, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't, like gain back my powers by eating shitheads. I have to actually eat like innocent people, good people. And I was just like, oh, well, fuck. Like that kind of ruins the map. You know, that's a good idea. That's a that's a premise of a movie there. And they're like, nah, fuck that. And you're just but like, kinda, wait. So I actually sort of enjoyed the fact that Dracula is like it's not enough to eat like these shitty people. You got to bring me some good people. I'm fucking darkness incarnate. Give Mm -hmm. me some happiness. Like I need to just, it's not enough to destroy life. I have to destroy hope and love. And like it, it actually reminded me of um, what what we do in the shadows when they're talking about like, you know, people are always like, why do you drink the blood of virgins? Like, is it a taste? But it's like, you know, it doesn't really matter, but let me put it this way. If you're about to eat a sandwich, it'd be nice if no one had fucked that sandwich. (laughs) and so i kind of appreciated dracula just being like you keep this guy doesn't even have a head i also like (laughs) that's that this is one of those things where it was like clear that like there were certain parts of the movie that were like in the script and were supposed to be there because i just feel like ben schwartz sitting outside and being like um yeah apache joe's in there and he's gonna like do what he's gonna do and then, like, you cut back to him, and he's like, no, he's a guy who cuts people's tongues out for fun. I'm not going to tell him that his nickname is racist. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's just, like, there are lines like that that feel more purposefully laid yes. than other lines in the movie. Where it's like, oh, right, this, this here is a character expressing character traits in dialogue that is serving the story. And is not just someone openly stating plot in order to like tie together two disparate scenes that we didn't get. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, like, again, you know, there's so like when things like that happen, like when he says that, or like when Renfield comes in and the guys are like, who are you? And he's like, I'm a friend of Caitlin's. And it's just like, what? And then uh, the guy, co- yeah, like that, like there were, there were just chunks of this movie that felt cohesive and real and good. And then, 
they would just smash up against the parts. I was like, this can't be what the original plan was. There's no fucking way this is what the original plan was. Yeah, it, it feels it feels underwritten in so many different aspects. And then those those lines feel like they're connected to five different things that like tie everything together. And you're like, oh, someone like actually spent time creating like that Apache Joe character and like having him as a big bad against yeah. Renfield at at some point. You know, like let's let's come up with a crazy name for him and then let's have this throwaway line about him, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean it's and and that the whole thing where Dracula's like, I want clueless tourists. I want what was mm-hmm. it? Oh, a, a, bunch of, a bunch of nuns. <laughs> a bus full of cheerleaders. But then, what's what's great is, then they one of my favorite exchanges in the movie is, uh, a, a bus full of cheerleaders. And these would be girl cheerleaders? And Drek is like, don't make it a, don't make it a, like, sex thing. All right? It's not. <laughs> that's, it's that's, just, that's, like, the best. That is when this film is actually, like, working really well for me. Right. It is, is singing in that A movie lot of that. Because yeah. Nick Cage is doing his like weird, like he's got his energy, and you could just hear him like, "Don't make, don't come on, man! It's not like that. Don't do that, man. Okay, we're not that. It's not that kind of thing. I just want, and if they happen to be, but you don't have to. And it's okay. No, no, I understand. Like, you know, I loved that. And then the fact that he shows up at the restaurant, they're all there. Is again another like mm-hmm. good joke. That's a good joke that they set up where it's like these are some absurd like the, it's an increasing level of absurdness and it's also absurd that they're all in the same fucking place. Mm-hmm. But then yeah, it's it's so weird how the movie will then careen off into a completely different thing and it's it's very bizarre. I don't know. Like it it almost it almost made watching the movie more fun than if it had just been like slightly competently well made. Just to just to feel. I those. wish it was so much more. more I like. I had. I won't say high hopes for this movie, but I had like some hopes for this movie. And I'll say you that, were like, so it, insistent that we cover the movie. I know. I really. I wanted to see it. And as I've stated a couple times over the last couple years, if I don't see it for this podcast, I don't see it at all. And I really, I really wanted to watch it. I thought it would be fun, and I had fun. I don't have a problem with this movie. Like I'm not upset about it. But it is one of those things where it's still fun. From you know, for my head, I'm a person who watches a movie, and I can I can turn to someone and be like, "That's an ADR line that was definitely put in post because like they clearly cut in like a back end shot, and you can tell the difference in the room tone." And you know, I like that. And so seeing this, I'm like, "Oh, okay, I see that there were some problems here." I don't know. Even if that were the case, it doesn't. I had a good time. Like I know I keep repeating that. It was no, just don't like get me wrong. I had a great stakes. time. Yeah. <laughs> No, but even outside of the like, to me, it wasn't it was so good. It was it was so bad. It was good. Like, I'm not coming from that angle. I'm like, you know what? I laughed. I really liked the comic timing of the performances. Like, we haven't mentioned him, but um, Brandon Scott Jones is in this. And he is like a great sort of up and coming character actor, supporting actor, comedian um, who plays a support group leader. Yeah. And he was just like very funny, really sharp with his lines again, Aquafina is so good. Um, I love Shora Agdashlu in this role who is just like, she's an outside outsides actress. Like she does a lot of drama and, you know, always brings this like 
pathos and gravitas and all of that. And here she could just like let loose and be just absolutely, you know, praying mantis. And I, I love that aspect of it. Like, you know, I, I don't disagree that it was messy because it is. I'm also like not surprised. I, I wish the movie had done better at the box office. Like mm-hmm. it made what? 7 million last last semester (laughs) (laughs) and you know that is like very very underperforming um yeah but to me it's the kind of thing like i'm surprised that it that given people's love of bloom house and all that that it that it didn't track better or that it not track but that it didn't outperform even what it was tracking yeah i mean i'm why why do you think why do you think blum house has any relation to this Oh, I just mean like in terms of like cheap horror comedies or cheap horror. I'm thinking of like Megan, for example. uh, Yeah. I mean, it feels like. Okay. Megan's Megan's. Yeah. Okay. I I can see Megan in this having like a a kind of similar thing. Cause it's the same thing where you watch it and you're like, well, what the fuck is this? Um, And then not only that, but yeah, like Nicholas Holt, people like him and uh, Aquafina, people like her and Nicholas Cage. I don't know if people are coming out to the movies for him, but he's definitely a plus. So it is a little weird to me that it didn't do better, especially because, like I said, the, the trailer was charming enough. I, I can't imagine that this is one that like lived or died on like critical reception either. No. And the, actually, to me, usually when a trailer goes viral, I mean, I don't want to say viral, but like when people are talking about a trailer that usually tells me that something is going to be a hit, like in some way or shape or form, people mm. just couldn't shut up about the everything everywhere trailer. Yeah. People loved the this is us trailer when it came out many years ago um so i thought the tv show yeah oh okay it wasn't it was like a very highly watched youtube video like way back when it came out during upfronts so i now i feel like i need to go find this video now (laughs) it's basically a trailer for the pilot like it doesn't tell you more than that um so, so, you know, sometimes I like pay attention to what people are talking about when it comes to trailers. And I felt like I, I heard a lot about Renfield. So I don't know, but maybe my world is small. Maybe I only follow a lot of other people who are interested in film and, you know, we're just like a small, vocal, stupid minority. Um, <laughs> there was also something I was thinking about too. Well, I mean, oh, I... which is like, what is Renfield? You have... You have like brand recognition with Dracula, or even something like the vampire's servant or whatever that would be. Nobody knows what Renfield means. <laughs> sure. I think I think the trailer does a good job of that, of like selling you on the fact that but yeah, if if you're I mean, this this goes back to why do you call it John Carter and not John Carter from Mars, right? People are going to yeah. be like, what the fuck is John Carter? Like, what, it's what not are we even doing like, here? It's not even like John Wick where you're like, okay, there is something ontologically about that name that is compelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, John Carter's boring as fuck. I'm sorry. Yeah. And Renfield um, is like interesting, sort of. And like the trailer does do a good job of being like, this is Renfield. It's him. It's him right there. But yeah, it he is. works for Dracula. Yeah. yeah. My name's Renfield. I work for Dracula. Mm-hmm. I also, I don't know, maybe in this movie, it was slightly hard to tell if Dracula was a known quantity. I guess he was, right? Because he would say, I Not work for Dracula. Really? I know. Not I know. Really. It's so weird like, that I couldn't it's, even it pick it down. Weird. 
Because people would yeah. be like, the Dracula, like, hates garlic and crosses, loves blood, like, you know, that Dracula, like, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Because he'd be like, like how does nobody know about him? Right. He's like, I'm a servant for Dracula. And people would be like, oh, okay. Like, like, I, it's, I, like, it's so weird to me that, like, Robin, do you know? Like, do you know if people in this movie know who Dracula is, like, just by name? Oh, it was very unclear. <laughs> I felt like, yeah, you couldn't tell if the universe knew what Dracula was, even from lore or not. Like, whether A, he was real, B, whether they had heard of him in terms of, like, you know, mythology or literature. It was just, again, one of those underbaked things. The other underbaked thing was some of the violence is so outlandish and so weird that I also thought that Nicholas Holt's character was having a, a dream or like oh. a nightmare. Like when he, when Dracula murders the support group, I was like, what the fuck is going on right now? Because that was really he, intense. <laughs> yeah, that was, he that does was a- it in, he does it in such a weird way because he also isn't like feasting on these people, which oh, no, like this is- what's, this is specifically he just he wants to hurt Renfield. I, I, and I understand that. But yeah. also, doesn't he want to power himself up well, like he, he he's been searching yeah. for innocence this whole time? And then all of a sudden he's just like, oh, look at this whole room of you know, quote unquote, innocent people. Right. And he only I don't think he drinks any one of their blood. No, he definitely drinks the leader. Okay. And and, and but, it's after that that he becomes whole, right? I mean, like he he, goes, he's his face is still kind of fucked up a little a bit. Little fucked up. But, but then he goes and he he wakes up John Ralphio and mm-hmm. um then they go and see his mom. <laughs> and that's another point where where he like does his whole like villain speech and he's like, What do you think of that? And he's like, I think you need to meet my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I just found that sequence to be so, so weird. And so because Renfield doesn't seem as devastated as he probably should be. Like, uh, who knows how long he's been with this group? Well, he's, he's just kind of like, oh, this I mean, he stands there holding that sucks. guy's. No, he's like crying and holding the guy's hand and then he gets arrested. And then, okay. But this is another thing where it's like, they must've run out of money or something. Cause like, they run away, right? They they are surrounded by cops. Who's they? The uh, Renfield and um, Rebecca. Aquafina. I was doing the character name, but yes, Aquafina. Nicholas Holt and Aquafina are standing there, and they're trying to like tempt her, like we'll give you a promotion if you just hand over that boy. Um, yeah. And then this she, was like, a terrible sequence. She shoots a transfer, and everyone's like, "Whoa, the sparks!" And then they jump in the car, and then like start driving away, and then it cuts to an overhead shot, and. Like a, a disembodied voice saying, "Like Officer Rebecca, whatever the like her last name is, like Quinn or Quincy." Yeah, I think it was Quincy. Officer Rebecca Quincy is now like a fugitive at large, and then it's like, "Wake up the next morning." She's got like a, mm-hmm. a slightly wounded shoulder, and I'm just like, "Well, where the f- how the fuck did you get here? Why are you here? Like you went here of all places, yeah. and you're like, why would you go to his apartment? Yeah, and I was expecting him to say like, after you got us out of there, you passed out from blood loss. I should know about blood loss. I brought you back here, and now I've made you some cookies. But instead, he's just like, 
still very charming and like recuffs himself. He is so good in this movie at playing like a level of obsequiousness that is he's somehow like the not new Hugh annoying. Grant. Yeah. Oh my god. Absolutely. Um, he's like charming as shit, even when he's eating bugs and ripping people's arms off, and then throwing those arms into other guys. Because um, he's so <laughs> embarrassed by it. I know. He's great. Yes. Like it's, and that is sort of like his star power is like. I'm lo- like when he crushes that guy's skull while like falling three stories and gives her like a little wave. It's cute. Mm-hmm. You like it. You like him, which you must. <laughs> um, That's an order. And uh, like, yeah, it's, it's very, it's just weird how that scene plays out. Like we've got this thing. We now know like her, her, her partner betrays her and it's like, Oh right. Yeah. I guess I've seen him in two other scenes. Um, and and you could like maybe if the movie had been structured differently or maybe like in the original cut or whatever, like that was more of a meaningful thing. But like, yeah, it's not really at this point. Like it does sort of explain why he was in the bathroom the entire time that all those people were shooting um, in the restaurant. But like it's just something so weird about those things in this movie. But then you get to a moment where like Teddy Lobo, played by Ben Schwartz, says to Renfield like, he he's like trying to do the villain monologue where he's like, it makes sense that he chose me. And then, you know, Nicholas Holt's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you and I like we're yin and yang. And Nicholas Holt's like, we've sort of met twice. Like <laughs> it's just like, I, there's something about the delivery of that. And like the acknowledgement of that, or it's like, yeah, we've sort of set these guys up to be opposites, but like they haven't really had any personal time together. And that works. That's funny. But then, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's a very odd movie. I want more people to see it just so I can talk about it with more people. I guess we're not good enough. No, I just need to talk about it with even more people. I need I need to keep going on. And I've never said that this movie was so bad it's good. I I earnestly liked many aspects and moments in this movie. And I think that if I was given an opportunity to cut out the parts that I distinctly did not like, I wouldn't cut that much, honestly. It's just... There's a pervasive feeling of weird. Yes. Like a gear has slipped or like a note went wrong, but the band is still playing and people are still dancing. So like, what is it? Because like, like horror comedy is so hard to nail and there's been so many different attempts at it. And I don't, I don't even know if this is horror comedy. I don't even know if this is horror enough to even get that kind of label but it's certainly violent. There's a lot it's, of blood. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's horror. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, it's it's not. That's just action. I would say it's like an action comedy. Yeah. And and so it I reminded don't, me of I, Shoot 'em Up. Y'all remember Shoot 'em Up? I remember Smoking Asims. Oh, yeah, I remember Shoot 'em Up. That's, uh, that's uh, Bella Monica Bellucci. Why did yeah. I say Bella? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Bella. Yeah. Her and her and Clyde. Baluch. And uh, Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm, of course. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, over the top fun action comedies. Like I'm, I'm into those. I really liked, uh, what was that? Boss battle or whatever the fuck with, uh, with the guy, uh, crossbones from, Captain America, Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no clue what you're talking about. Frank Grillo. It it came out. Yeah, it came out on Hulu. Uh, I think it was called Boss Battle. Um, 
But anyways, that one's a lot of fun. And that one's super over the top. It's very violent. And like a lot of these are just delightful to watch and like take in. And this one, it because it was missing that that gear, like you're saying, Brian, it just rubbed me the wrong way for whatever reason. And really, I think a lot of it, a lot of it started to sour every time the Lobos were on screen. I just did not like the Lobos. I did not like that aspect of this film. I did not care for it. I felt like it was very weird and they never quite nailed that, that comedy and that tone. And it was just so strange. I'd say everything with the police felt off. First of all, I'm pretty sure it's not, PDNO. I'm pretty sure it's NOPD. So it just felt weird like that they yeah. would somehow like obscure the name of the New Orleans Police Department. And then it just also it's th- that those are the moments where the movie feels the most cheap. There's just mm-hmm. something about the way that all of that is constructed that is just it feels very limited. Like suddenly the budget became a concern. They're like we can have one room in this like sort of functionary office building that we can pretend is a police department and her sister's working down the hall on an FBI task force, not because we can't afford another location, but because she's task forced in the same area or something. It was just very weird. I want to also say the movie you're talking about, first of all, Frank Grillo's in like 40 movies a year. He's incredible. He, the movie is called boss level boss level. There you go. Yeah. He was also in a yeah. movie called Cop Shop, which I'm pretty sure I wanted to see. Yes, I've heard good things about that. Directed by Joe Carnahan, who did Smoking Aces. Mm-hmm. And also which I also movie. enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces um, is a very weird movie because it is not what you expect it's going to be. It's also got a twist that is at once fucking incredibly weird and out of nowhere, but also very predictable. But I enjoyed it. It's still know. a fun movie. <laughs> go back yeah. to what you were saying uh bill about this may not be categorized as horror because i think perhaps by virtue of the fact that it is about dracula it is horror um yes yeah. but i don't i don't think it is at any point trying to scare you or trying to be horrific beyond just be violent for comedy's sake i think the horror aspect of it is almost entirely missing like like a a keystone for horror comedy is the second evil dead movie which is very violent and very wicked but also has this zaniness and this over-the-topness that you're like oh this is this is crazy that this is happening but also now ash has a chainsaw for a for a hand like you're just like okay this is ridiculous and totally on board and i get it right having just watched evil dead rise i see where that over-the-top zaniness is part of that like charm and this film never really is like oh i'm going to be scary at any point it's it's just everything's just over the top. And so it just it almost bypasses the horror aspect and just leans straight into the comedy aspect. I would say like like 
just because it's funny doesn't mean that uh the Billy Wilder, right? Uh or uh is it is it Gene? Gene Wilder? Um Oh, whoa, whoa. Billy Wilder is a director. Gene Wilder yes. is the Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka. Yeah. Yes. His his Dracula <laughs> or his Do you make Dracula or Frankenstein? His Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. <laughs> would you call that a horror comedy or would you call that a comedy? Uh, that's a good question. It's definitely not that's horror. That's a good question. No, so I I think I think I yeah, I think this is like an action comedy that has one horror element that is never deploy, uh, deployed in a way that is horrific. <laughs> deployed or applied. Yes, de- <laughs> deployed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, okay, so my daughter had New Girl word. Scouts today. And um, they do a snack time at the end of the thing. And the the last, we've only done like two meetings so far, but they each time would like make a thing out of the snacks. So last time right before, it was right before Easter. So they used icing and graham crackers to make like a little peep house. Um, and this time it was uh, pretzel sticks and marshmallows and you could make like a, like a tent or, you know, a teepee or something. But it was funny because the mother in charge is like, we're going to have, you know, everyone settle down. We're going to have a snack, but it's also going to be an activity. And I couldn't stop myself from screaming out snack activity. Nice. Yeah, and I know. I'm sure everybody loved it. The fucking you. adults loved it. The kids were very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Is that I, a word? Some of them really lo- they latched onto it once they realized they were like snack activity, snack activity, yay! I was like, cool, snack activity. We should write that on the board next time. Do all the anyway. parents have to attend like these meetings as well? No, actually. Um, I don't know for anyone who's curious about Girl Scouts and how it works, you actually have to sign up to be what they call a driver chaperone um, to, to be in attendance at the meetings, because I guess it's a liability thing. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Cause they have to know what adults are in the space. If yeah. You know, they, you got a person hanging around all these kids. You want to, you know, you don't want to be like, Hey, look, this parent was, so I've actually, I've got my application in, they're doing a background check on me. I figure if I can get top secret clearance with the U.S. government, I could probably be a chaperone for the Girl Scouts. <laughs> but you never don't think know. too highly of yourself. That's the thing is, you know, I don't want to be arrogant about it. I also didn't realize. So Boss Level was also directed by um, Joe Carnan. Nice. And, and yeah. Top Shop. And he did Stretch, which was very good. This guy's got an interesting career. I got to check out both. Yes, he does. Now. I think they're both on Hulu, maybe. Maybe. Okay. I'm willing to I'm willing to concede maybe this is not horror comedy in the <laughs> traditional sense. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting to me is there's a lot of seeming places that this could have gone. Um and it didn't seem to like really commit to any of them. Like well, like one of the things is like it didn't seem to really fully play into the like what if we treated this as an actual like narcissistic relationship. Because and it because the cop Oh, I just almost knocked over my fucking microphone, which has never happened before. Um, (laughs) The cop gang story keeps getting in the way of it just being about Renfield and Dracula. Whereas if it had just been Renfield falls in love with a cop and that's an excuse for the occasional like, you know, getting into a really violent scuffle thing. But we're still really working on him on a personal level, being able to get away from this guy. You could have done it more, maybe. And then... You've also got Dracula being like, I want to take over the world. But like, we never really get that much of a sense of what his plan is. 
And there are scenes where he's kind of being treated in a horrific way. Like when he's taking out the guys who come into his, his abandoned hospital and um, then at the, at the, mm-hmm. the support group. But again, like those are just kind of undercut because in one situation he's taking out a bunch of bad guys that we don't really care about. And in the other situation, suddenly this group that's been sort of on the edges is now very, very central. And it again, feels like that whole scene is like, you know, it's not good. It's not funny. Like it's sad that the Renfield loses this support group, but it feels like in a movie that had really played more into that and treated it more as a personal journey rather than a side part of this weird cops and robbers drama that was going on that would have had more of an impact and maybe would have like hedged more towards the horror because suddenly he's not just a monstrous person, but he is actually a monster. Hmm. Yeah, I do. I do agree that the movie gets a little bit lost in the organized crime aspect. It definitely muddies the power that Dracula could have had as his own villain um, instead of him competing with these, you know, gangsters or whatever but i actually think that is what i i guess what i liked about this movie is that it just even even if it sort of undercuts itself i was still laughing at those organized crime people whereas in batman universe films i always find that the organized crime detracts from the story or it detracts from like the evil that is you know, lurking, whatever that Batman has to sort of erode. It just becomes like this mafia story often. Like I especially felt that way during um, the Batman and a little bit during Birds of Prey. We're just like, I don't, I just couldn't care. It was like a Dick Tracy thing. I I just don't care. I actually think that the Birds of Prey um, with uh, Chris Messina and uh, Ewan McGregor is more of the type of, of villainy and and bad guyitude that I would love to see in a movie like this. I think that those guys are drawn a little clearer, are integrated more perfectly. Like it, it and always, they're a little scarier. Yeah. And it always, well, yeah, but the the tone of that film is a little bit more. I don't know. It packs more of a punch. Let's just say. Yeah, but I still think you could have come close to that in this. Like they, they the Lobos just felt very outside of this movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the, I don't um, disagree. And, and honestly that made, that made Aquafina's character feel a little outside of the movie because she's not, it's not like, it's not like her and Renfield hook up after he saves her life and they just like become a thing. Like she, he keeps getting dragged back in through this, this investigation she's doing, which is, I don't know, to me a less compelling way of having them get together than if like, Maybe this is just me and my romantic side. Like I prefer a person who <laughs> like two people are drawn together and affect one another's life only because they have fallen in love, not because like, you know, duty and justice keep drawing them back together. This is why you're divorced. Yep. You know, it's interesting because I couldn't tell if it was actually a romance or not. I think it is implied to be, but there are really no other elements to their relationship that would that would indicate that they are interested in each other sexually or romantically. It's actually a very good point. 
I mean, he yeah, he I don't really know respects if... her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think she's supposed to pull him out of this, but mm-hmm. in a way, yeah, I think I think these are just supposed to be like good friends. It almost know, he does seems bring like her flowers. Yes, which is weird because she even calls it out. She's like. Did you bring me flowers? She's she's weirded. Like she does not seem to be in a position to start being interested in anybody romantically. She's still real fucked there's, up there's, over her dad dying. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot going on in her life that like her whole department basically hates her, and she's like, "What the fuck? Yeah, you guys are all terrible, insanely corrupt." <laughs> yes, all of them. And Kyle from head to toe. Kyle can go get fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, another good bit constantly people telling Kyle to go fuck himself yeah I don't know I I, I just like I said there's there's so many little aspects of this that that I enjoyed or that I liked like even even some of the action the action is actually fairly well shot Um, I enjoyed seeing him use his powers and like kicking people but even like the first time in that bar or in that restaurant when he starts just fucking launching people she's not like whoa that's fucking crazy she's just like she is incredibly competent and all of the people around her all the you know the bad guys are just like can't hit a shot for shit, which, you know, I, I get it. Like this happens in a lot of movies, but it is interesting that she's supposed to be a traffic cop and she's fucking John wick. And you're just like, wait, what? Like, what the fuck? Why is she so good? I get him, but her. This is another thing where, right. I I think it's sexist from the, like, I think the backstory involves that what's weird is that like she says like i can't believe i'm on like dui checkpoint duty and her sure. partner is like you know oh she it, does he, say she graduated first of her class right. or something she, like that she at talks some about point. like how fucking hard she tried but like her department is so corrupt and it seems that she has had consistent run-ins with this lobo family and that is the reason why she is on these like as she would call them shit details you know, doing these things is because they rubber roomed her. Yeah, exactly. So like it, it does it does make sense that in those moments she's able to like pop out of her shell and be as awesome as she is trained to be because she's finally allowed to be because now she's operating outside the law where the real justice happens. I found it funny when she was like, Did you chop a guy's arms off with a decorative tray? And he's like, Yeah, well, adrenaline. And it's just like everyone just accepts it. Like that's the kind of like cartoonish absurdity that I dig because there is a level of unreality where you just are like, it's easier to accept the thing that I know can't be true, but seems like it like is more real than if he were to say like, I ate a bug. I'm Dracula's <laughs> servant. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed a lot of this movie. I had fun with it. I like I went. I went to see this movie at 7.20 after a long day of doing other things. I got home by 9.20 and I'd had a good time. And then I went into my bed and I read a book and went to sleep. That's a good evening for me. I liked that. (laughs) That was was, fucking quaint. Yeah, it was quaint as shit. 
Yeah. You were going to say, Bill? I was I was going to say the action bit that I did also really enjoy is the stairwell stuff. Uh, specifically, and you kind of mentioned it at the beginning, but when he starts hitting this guy with his own arms and then using those... De- you know, delimbed arms and hitting someone else. And then at one point he throws them like a spear. And I guess the bone of, of the arms, <laughs> these GI Joe arms that have, that have come off the bone impales somebody impales into the wall. Yeah. And then you just like grabs that arm and beats another guy with it. Yeah. You're just like, okay, I, I, like this is this is having fun with it. I'm I'm here for it. I'm having fun with it as well. But you just I just remember watching that and just being like having a almost out of body experience and going, huh, <laughs> that's fun. And that's then a, not being that something that, you see every day. <laughs> yeah. And but not being in the film and going, This is fun. Instead going, huh, they thought this through. This is fun. <laughs> and just like not enjoying it to that yeah yeah it was like it was like huh it it was almost like i was reading it on the script instead of actually seeing it Mm -hmm. like played out um i am so yeah i really like the point where after he kills all the guys in the restaurant he's leaving and like all the people who he was about to like chloroform and take to dracula are like telling him what a good person he is and what a good job he did and he like you know bows to the nuns and everything and that's just another one of those moments where I'm like, right, right. This feels completely different from like everything that happens in the police station where it feels like even the actors are confused because like they forgot they shot this movie three months ago. <laughs> it's just so it's again, like you can sort of feel the the energy of the, the original parts or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You can maybe feel this is, the lack of cohesion. Yeah. Maybe but like what's funny is maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is exactly maybe they shot it in sequence. Maybe it's everything's on the the screen where it's supposed to be. In which case, like clearly they just like they should have done another pass of the thing. But it, again, for all that I've said, for every time where I'm like, that clearly doesn't work. That's ridiculous. Why is this happening? Like like if if I didn't have a, a full on human child that I had to take care of and some friend of mine midweek was like, hey, I think I'm going to go see Renfield. Do you want to come? I'd be like, hell yeah, let's do it again. Hmm. I'd have no problem with that. Because, again, it's an hour and a half long. It's fun enough. I enjoyed I enjoyed Nicholas Holt as a as a performer. Aquafina is fun in this movie. There's a scene that shot the Cafe Du Monde where I've been so I can go. I was there once. They have really good beignets. Yeah. Mm. yeah, even it though like it's good an New incredibly Orleans touristy vibes. place, yeah. But um, yeah, no, I don't know. I enjoyed this movie. I and you know, I like I said, I I sort of like forced us to do it because I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, I wanted to movie. see it. Yeah, I, it worked out because everyone was like, yeah, I'm interested in that. Yeah, that looks good. And then even when all the 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 reviews came in, no one was like, this is offensive to the spirit of humanity. So I was like, yeah, I'm still interested in seeing it. Let's do it. And then we did it, and it was great. It's a good time. Good time at the movies. Yeah. All right. Any other I any other thoughts we, on this? It's it's unusual that Bill has the most feelings about a movie. I feel like usually it's you or me, Brian, that either hates or loves it, and our our opinions are usually the opposite. Yeah. And immovable. 
and then Bill is like the you know the the buffer in between just let's say the fulcrum that balances us yeah and Mm -hmm. it's it's unusual to see Bill just so like fuck this movie yeah fuck this movie what's funny (laughs) is that you say that and I was about to say I don't know if you would say fuck this movie but then you literally said fuck this movie like you haven't been like you haven't been too down on it You've cleaned up, no, up well, on it, but like, you know. Part of that, though, is also because it is literally 93 minutes, there is not that much to to say about it as well. Right. And the aspects that don't work are so, for me, they're so obvious, right? And- it, it is the police stuff. It is the, the, uh, the gang stuff. Everything else kind of works. Right. And it, it works to a level where either you enjoy Cage's performance or you don't, right? You can kind of see what he's doing. And like, yeah, that sequence when he his face is all mangled up and he's talking to Renfield, like I enjoyed that aspect. I enjoyed their banter. I wish they were in scenes more, right? I mean, you know, it is kind of weird that they, it keeps them separated for so much of this film. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think some of the comedy bits work, but a lot of it just feels so, yeah, by the end, I was just having an out of body experience and I just, I don't, I don't feel enough anger about it that I'm like, oh, like this movie sucks ass i'm just like (laughs) this is just not a good movie to me it's it's just it never gets beyond what it could have been and it it, it's less than like i said it's less than the sum of its parts and and i'm i'm kind of sad by that but i'm not like i don't know like it is something has how, to be really fucking bad for me to be angry at the movie, especially at 93 minutes. Right. Because like, yes, at that point, you're like, all right, look, I didn't waste too much time, which again is like I got home by I got home. I left my house and then got home within like two hours. That's fine. Yeah, That's yeah. fine with me. If, I've been stuck if, in traffic getting home from my job longer than that before. Like and it's just it's if the hit to miss ratio, if you're getting like. 45 minutes of great and then 45 minutes of okay to terrible. You're like, all right, that's still a decent ratio. But if you had that same good 45 minutes, but it was in a two and a half hour long movie, mm-hmm. you'd kill yourself. It would be, it would be awful. And I think that that's one of the things is that I have seen so many movies where I'm like, this is abysmal and it should have been over a while ago. And this movie yeah. is brisk and it like, runs out onto the stage, starts shuffling, makes some missteps, you know, juggles the the pies and then lets them land in its face, you know, misses a couple of cues, but then it like shuffles off and it's over. And you're like, okay, yeah, parts of that weren't that great, but parts of it were fun and uh, now I get to go. Like, it's fine. And I think that that sounds like it's damning with faint praise, but I think honestly that that's like sometimes like a movie needs that. Sometimes you just need to not be around that much. Like we and constantly... that's why Killers of the Flower Moon better be the best fucking movie you've ever seen because if I'm going to sit there for four hours. I better not. It's not four hours, isn't oh, it? Like please. shorter than The Irishman. Okay, yeah. so it's three it's hours and twenty nine minutes. Yes. I mean... <laughs> 
Stop rounding up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm okay, ex- with previews, you're in that movie theater. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the problem is the previews. The previews is where they fucking get you. And I love the previews. That's like my favorite part. <laughs> this this reminds me so much of when I fucking just waited in the lobby and skipped uh, the Olaf's oh like my God. for Frozen 2 or whatever the fuck it was. And I was just like, nope, I heard too many bad things about this. I'm waiting in the lobby of the theater and just on my phone, just fucking texting away and like doing some Spanish lessons and just being like, nope, fuck this, not I, watching this I thing. I will say one of my <laughs> one of my own favorite memories of this podcast is when I went nuts explaining Olaf's Frozen Adventure and all of the <laughs> horrifying questions that it brought up and how fucking terrible it was and how I had to tap into my high school Spanish lessons to tell the poor family in front of me that they were in the right theater. <laughs> oh my god what what was that it was that toy story 4 no it was coco ah yes and so was that coco. was the thing is that it was it was awful but it was also it slightly Disney. racist and it was also it was bad also because they did yeah, was being olaf's whatever bullshit yes so what happened was coco's coming out and they're like uh-oh this movie's about day of the dead which is not an american holiday and it features like a Mexican family in Mexico, which is not an American city in an American country. So what we're going to do is we're worried we've got another, I don't know, like Ratatouille on our hands where we're going to have a critically lauded, flawlessly made movie that because it's not marketable, because one, you know, they're just like not specifically pitched at kids in that way. And people are going to be like, oh, they're going to stay away. So how do we get them into the theater? I know, let's take an ABC, like, special that was going to be on television, cut the ads out of it, and staple it to the front of this Pixar movie. So it's, like, 26 fucking minutes long. So it's not even, like, you know... A short. Lifted, or uh, the the Piper, you know, like, the cute little animated shorts that everyone universally loves and looks forward to. They're not, like, a five-minute Pixar. yeah. I, you're sitting there watching a goddamn episode of television and like it was so universally hated that like within a week or two they pulled it and also they were making a shit ton of money on Coco because oh my god people want to go see a good movie they don't care if it doesn't star white people but yeah I had to there was a family it was a whole family in front of me um, Spanish speaking I don't know if they were from Mexico we have a very diverse population here they could have been from anyone uh, from anywhere. And like, yeah, they turned around at some point and like asked me in Spanish, you know, is this the theater where they're playing Coco? And I had to like <laughs> lean forward and be like, you're in the right place. This is a different thing. It's playing after this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is, it, it it is a tribute to how my brain works that in the moment when I needed it, I could access that information in a way that was good enough to explain <laughs> to them. And I could not even try to do it right now. But the other fucked up thing is that Frozen is a Disney property. Right. And so we not didn't a Pixar get property. A, right. We didn't get a Pixar short. We got forced into a Disney yeah, short. Yeah, because Pixar is owned by Disney. <coughs> I, I understand. No, there's, you know, there's a there's a lot. 
questions there, but they've never done that before. It's always been, oh, we have this director internally at Pixar that we're going to elevate, give them a, a like they pitched this little short and it's delightful. So we're going to make the short for them. And then maybe that turns into a whole fucking movie, just like uh, Bao did. It turned into turning red. Well, right. Domi, she. Correct. Chosen, but Bao wasn't but, turned into a full-length feature. I, I understand. No, but yes. it's, a, it's a launching point for a, a talent and a career. Sure. Yes. And and we've seen that like actually come to fruition several different times. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, that's usually or that's always what they've done. And this time they happen to stick a fucking Disney property in front of the Pixar movie. And it's just like. Way right, so you're not getting the same anything. Like it's it, not the same and, vibe. And, it's not and, the same and, artistry. And also, again, yeah. it was it was it was not even like Disney Motion Picture Studios. It was like TV. It was mm-hmm. so fucking terrible. And yeah. anyway, Bill Bill stood outside of the theater texting or something. I don't even know. And meanwhile, I sat there just slowly losing my mind because it had like multiple songs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yep. I don't know how we Skip got on that this. shit. Yeah, I don't know how we got on this tangent. Um, I don't know. Yeah, either. show up late for Killers of the Flower Moon, I guess, and try to miss all the yeah. matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, if you're complaining about the additional time in the theater the because of the trait, I, I know, I know, that's uh, the Killers issue. Killers of the Flower right? Moon, written by David Grann, the new novel, uh, The Wager, or not novel, nonfiction novel, I guess, uh, The Wager, also written by David Grann, which you can read about in our book section of our Slack. <laughs> nice. That's a good segue. Um, do we have any more to say about Renfield? Yeah, let's get out of here. All right, cool. We we said that this would be like an hour, and we went a course for like an hour and a half. But this I, I movie, this podcast is longer than the movie. Uh, yes, that is correct. We did it! Hooray! We're gonna do the same thing for Killers of the Flower Moon. No. <laughs> <laughs> Clear your weekend. Anyway, um, so it's been fun talking about this movie. Uh, I think that you know people are gonna catch this and they're gonna be like, you know, it was a fun movie, Renfield. Yeah, that might be the only thing they say about it. But, you know, that's more than you say about a lot of films you see. So anyway, check it out. It's in theaters now. Uh, This has been a fun conversation. Very glad to have been able to chat about this movie with you all. Robin Barr, what are we talking about next week? Talking about short movies. Bo is afraid. Bo is afraid of three and a half hour runtimes. Short. What is it? It's two and a half hours or is it like three hours? I don't even remember. I never looked at my watch once. Oh, my goodness. Well, if that isn't a spoiler for Robin's opinions, then I don't know what <laughs> is. Um, yeah. I'm seeing it is it is one minute shy of three hours. And I saw all the previews. All the previews. So anyway, I will hopefully be able to see this movie. Looking forward to it. Uh, talking about it with you all next weekend. Uh, in between now and then. You can find us on Twitter at Film State Show, Facebook, The Film State Show. Don't forget to go to patreon.com slash Film State Show to give us your money and talk to us online. And don't forget to go to mubi.com slash magazine to uh, subscribe to Notebook. And don't forget to go to mubi.com slash Film Stage for a free 30-day subscription to a movie. 
So that's it. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on the Slack channel, always mixing it up and looking into this new Matthew Vaughn movie called Argyle. Um, sounds really interesting. And it's uh, apparently uh, people uh, are questioning whether the first time author is an actual real person that this movie is based on so there's some weird shit going on with this movie <laughs> i am interested argyle uh matthew vaughn who i enjoy i know people have feelings about the kingsman but whatever um ellie Conway. i love kick-ass kick-ass yeah. is fun another nick cage yeah he also uses music from the movie sunshine mm-hmm. which uh automatically bumps any movie up uh, a half star he gets lit on fire a lot in movies. I, he loves he, it. <laughs> he, he's, he's in Ghost Rider, so his head is on fire the entire time. True. Uh, he gets lit on fire in Kick-Ass. He gets lit on fire in this. Hmm. National Treasure probably, probably had some fire on there. But anyway, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, Henry Cavill, Samuel L. Jackson. This is great. When yeah. the fuck is this coming it's, out? Yeah, it's got a great cast. Oh <laughs> Dua Lipa's in it. Like it's just like Jesus Christ. Brian What's Cranston, going on here? Sam Rockwell, Ariana DeBose. Yeah, Catherine, Catherine O'Hara. O'Hara. What the fuck, Rob Delaney? Yeah, we gotta we gotta watch this movie. Put it on the list. I agree. It's on the dock. <laughs> anyway, Robin Barr, where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Uh, you can also sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. All right. As for myself, uh, you can find uh, my stuff at my personal site, BrianJerone.com. Learn more about the whiskey I create at InkwellWhiskey.com. And uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, everywhere, at BrianJerone. And uh, what else? Find every episode of this here podcast over at thefilmstage.com. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us and tune in next week. <laughs>